Good morning. It is good to be with you again on this occasion as we worship God. I introduced myself this morning and I will again. I'm Nick Owens. <laughs> I'm the one with hair. <laughs> so we, we're sorry to hear Rick is still sick, but glad to fill in for him. And also, as well, I want to thank Carl for good, doing a good job leading singing for us as we need him. Thank you so much for that, Carl. We begin this morning looking at a passage of Scripture found in 2 Kings, the 13th chapter. And we're beginning with reading with verse 14 through verse 17. And it simply says, When Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash the king of Israel went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Draw the bow, and he drew it. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands, and he said, Open the window eastward, and open it. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot, and he shot. And he said, The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria. For you shall fight the Syrians at Apec until you have made an end of them. We're going to take a phrase out of that reading this morning and look at it for a few moments. Begin with reminding ourselves, most everybody here, no doubt, sometime in their life, have been in the, to the very top of a very tall building to enjoy the view that you see from the, from the top of that building throughout a city or a countryside. Uh, you, most of you know if you've been to Washington Monument, you look in the four different directions and you will see the great part of the capital of, the, of this country. Other great towers we can think of is the old Empire State Building and others in which gives you a great view of the city of New York and such as the old Sears Tower in Chicago and others. When you look at them, you get a great panoramic view of what you're looking at. And so this morning we want to look for a moment at, a, at this scene of Elisha and the king called Joash. And the phrase we want to look at is the phrase of open the window eastward, or the window that faces the east. Let's look at that statement moment. In other words, we want to look at some windows this morning. We're going to begin looking at the fact we're going to stand before and look out the west window. This is what most people would call, what we tend to call the people's window. It is the one that faces toward the sunset of one's life. We're familiar with an old song that we usually sing at the end of a night service, which also reminds us of this fact that while now the day is over, night is drawing nigh, shadows of the evening still across the sky. This window becomes a window of what we call of looking back or reflecting over our lives as we look back over the memories that we have that we've done all of things we've done all through the years. We can essence simply mean this window simply says to us, I have more days behind me than I have in front of me. This is a way to look at this window. It is memories window. It is the window which we look out of and reflect of our lives through all the years and remember different things that we have done in our life, different friends we were with, different events we attended, different places we have gone on vacations with our family and friends. It is that time we look out that window and reflect all of these things because we know memory 
is the great thing God given us to help us as we walk through the pathway of life. It is to many though, to a child of God, it is this window that that is a marvelous window to look out of. Because it reminds that person who has tried so hard to walk their life with God, they can look out that window as their day draws to an eye and realize if it is time to go, I'm ready. I am ready. Think about it for a moment. Moses looked out this window when God took him to the top of Mount Nebo and says, look. And he gave them an opportunity to behold the land of Cana that the people of Israel would soon, you know, inhabit. That land that had been promised to Abraham now would become a reality. And it says, God told Moses, look, there is that land in which they will cross the Jordan River and begin to inhabit. We know Moses wouldn't allow to enter because of what an event happened earlier. But still, he still was a love of God. And the great compliment paid to this man was, after spending that time observing that and telling us that his stamina was still great, his eyesight was still fantastic at an age of 120. But what was the compliment? The compliment was paid as he looked out that window and behold that promised land. It says that God buried this man. God buried him. What an honor. What a privilege to realize outside of not dying, like two of our Bible characters never tasted death, that was simply taken, but to be known that when it's time to go, that God Himself buried you. What an honor. You can imagine for a moment... Paul, as he writes to Timothy for the last time, he's looking out this window. He's reflecting over all that has happened in his life prior to and even as a child of God and apostle. And what does he tell Timothy? I regret it? I hate every minute of it? No. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I've, you know, I've done what God wanted me to do. Now, ahead of me, what I see out there in the future as I look out this window is that crown of righteousness. But He says, not for me only. It's not just mine. It's for everyone who loves His appearing. How many of the saints that we've known through the years that we know of have looked out this great west window and reflected upon it as death comes and says, it's time to go. Begin to see earth recede and the gates of paradise open. Knowing that they've lived their life and knowing because they lived a life like God wanted them to, they're going to enjoy this place that is beyond description for all of eternity. But yet at the same time, though, we have to realize there are thousands who look out this window and all they can say is, I have played the fool. They don't like what they see. It's not a beautiful sunset. It's dark. It's cloudy. It's thunder and lightning, if you please, for a moment. It's not what they wanted to see. They end up maybe like even Judas when he looked out the window and realized, what did he say? I have betrayed innocent blood. 
They don't see what they want to. It's not a pretty picture. Lot will look out this window and enjoy the sunset. Others will look out that window and want so badly to forget everything they just saw. They want it to go away, but they know it will not happen. Let's turn to the window facing the south. This window is what we call the window of the outlook of ease, the good things in life. Working people are usually tell themselves or their family or their friends talk to them and tell them, you know, your job stress is getting to you. You need to, get a va- you need to take a vacation. You need to get away. Take it easy for a little while. Enjoy things around you. Get away from here. Forget the office. Do whatever you want to in life. In life, that might be good. It might be nice to get away from the stress of life and the stress of things and put it all behind you for a moment and do something different and just do something fun and everything else, not don't thinking about no work or anything else. But being at ease, speaking of the soul, is deadly. Deadly. There are still certain words that still shock us. When we hear the word kill or kidnap or steal, these words still kind of give us a, a creepy feeling because of what they represent. We see these things happening every night on the evening news. But there is that soft-spoken word that sounds like snake venom. Easy. See how it sounds? Physical life. People say, oh, we need to do so. But in our spiritual life, is that the case? Why would we even mention that? Easy means spiritual paralysis, does it not? They end up going through life lame. How many endeavors never get finished in the, in the work of an individual or congregation because of taking it too easy or it became too hard or too difficult or everybody stopped and quit fooling with it and you find yourself by yourself and you just give up. It's easy to quit. Doesn't God frown upon those who are dreamers and drifters? What did Amos say unto one of them who are at ease where? In Zion. It is what? Taking it as if life is going to go on and nothing is going to happen to me. No stress, no worries, nothing. Life continues on. But yes, God reminds us that I am, there is a woe upon that member that slumbers. There is a woe upon that member who looks at life with an indifference. People who took upon the take upon the fact is as we talked about this morning, how shall we escape when we neglect so great a salvation? When we ask ourselves, are we minimal to God's law? Yes, we are. We looked at that earlier. We realize and understand that life is to physical sense may be easy to people, but no. When it comes to the spiritual side. Oh, we can brag and say, I'm getting along just fine without God. Look at my life. I'm doing good. I'm making good money. My life's fantastic. My wife and kids have everything they want. Life is wonderful. Why do I need God? 
Now, the day will come when you will be too late to answer that question, isn't it? The window of ease. The window that tells you, forget about everything. You don't need God. You don't need anything. Life is good. Enjoy it while you have the time and opportunity. We don't need to be looking out that window for very long, and you know why. Now let's turn around and face the north. This window is a window that's cold. This is the window that is bleak. This is the window that's drear. This is the window that is barren. There's no flowers blooming. There's no trees full of the buds and its beautiful flowers as we see in the springtime. It is weeds and it is thorns. It is the landscape around us that is full of crime and lust and greed and hate and war and all the things that beset us because that we're human and our nature within us. We look at it says it is the headlines of the evening news. Every evening, no matter what good news they might throw in there at the last minute, the majority of what we hear about is what? About all the things we just talked about. Now there's no one of the cold, the bleak, the war, the killing, the kidnapping, whatever it may be, it goes on every single day of the year. We cannot avoid looking out this window. There's no way to get by it. We can't run past and hope that we'll never... Don't look now, we won't have to... No, you've got to look out this window. Because it just, it just look around, it's every day. All around us. All around us. We have to look out this window. We have to see what it shows us and understand it. Here's the problem though. Like looking out of the south window. We've got to be careful about looking out of this north window. Because if we're not careful, this window will affect this problem more than the others. We as humans have a tendency to be pessimistic. We are optimistic for a moment. We're optimistic when something good happens and we ride that wave of optimism as far as we can ride it. But we live more in a world of pessimism than we ever do the side of optimism. This window distorts our view of life, doesn't it? When you look around us today, us that older can remember back years ago, you left your keys in your car. You left your door unlocked at your house. Why? Nobody was going to bother it. You trusted your neighbors. You didn't worry about them. You didn't worry about any of those things. They didn't bother you. Me and I, she probably went to bed and slept all night long with the doors open, thought nothing of her, or a window up. Never thought nothing about it. Would you do that today? No way. No way. When we go to bed, first, first thing we're going to do before we go and cut the lights out, make every sure every door's locked and every window's locked, right? When we get out of our car, we make sure that we've got the keys in our pocket, 
Thankfully now the bell, bell will go off and remind you if you left it in the switch. But we're still going to make sure that we've got the keys in the pocket. Number two, what is it? The door's locked. When we get out of our car, anywhere we go, when we get out of the car, we're doing this. Why? See who's around us. Take in our surroundings. When we're making it from our car to a building, we try to, we in our mind's eye for a split second, we try to find the fastest route between car and door of building. As quick as we can. We don't trust anybody anymore. You don't trust your neighbor. You don't trust, why? We've brought it on ourselves because we have looked out this window way too long. You know, we're reminded of the statement of Socrates years ago about young people, but we can look at it in the world as well. It's going to the dogs. I feel sorry for the dogs. In this case, they're getting a bad rap. But you think about that, that's exactly what's going on. No trust. In our society, nearly every business person that we meet is dishonest. You know he done something wrong to get what he's got. We look at our banks and other institutions of that kind, they're not trustworthy anymore. We feel like we're being robbed no matter what. Lawmakers are corrupt. On and on we could go. Why? Because we have stood too long in front of this window. And what happens? What happens? It causes us to forget God. It causes us to forget God and concentrate on all of the horrible, bad things going on in this world. And as hard as we try to find a substitute, as hard as we try to find a moment of happiness and a moment of glimmer, something other in the midst of all this, we just cannot do it. Or so we think. We cannot do it. You see, we do have help and we do have strength. Why? Our Savior faced this window and conquered it. Yes, he faced the window and he conquered it. Through his death, through the shedding of his blood, he gave the world hope that no matter how bad things may be, our Savior says, we can get through it. We can get through it. It was His to rectify on Calvary, and He did that very thing. That very thing. As we look out the north window, remember, we can beat it. We can beat it. It will just remember the Savior's already faced it. Now, let us look out that east window. The one that Elisha asked Joash to shoot the arrow out of. In the text, we know that Joash is very saddened. 
he's about to lose his friend. He's about to lose his strength, his right arm, his guide in life. He knew this man was the prophet of God. He knew he could go to this man and ask for help and guidance and strength. And Elisha would turn to God to get the necessary information that would help Joash. He was going to lose his great confidant. Joash is saddened by the fact that his time is near and he's about to lose him. And what does he say to him? Open the window that faces the east. Why? Where does the sun rise every morning? Why would the psalmist say, and this ought to be stamped across our face every single day of the year, every sunrise, every morning, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Every morning ought to begin with that attitude. This is the day the Lord has made. We have gone through a night's rest and sleep. We have wake up to look out the window and see the dawning of another beautiful day as the sun rises from the east. Why would we say it is the day the Lord has made? We look out that east window. It is the window of the will to succeed. This day is mine. This is my day. I will enjoy it. God will help me through this day. It's a day in which we can exalt ourselves and help others as we walk in life. It's a day of deliverance. We're past, you know, past the, this, this whole month. Now the day is a new day. This is a new day. Let us start over and begin again. It's the window we look at for a moment. There's no fears to depress us. For a moment, we don't see no horrible things going on around us. All that we see is this is the day the Lord has made. A new day. This is the window we need right now more than any other. As we look around us and watch as the younger generation is going away in such a chaotic state of mind. In their mind, there's no footing. There's no nothing to hold on to. There's nothing to grasp in the back of their mind. They're just floating as it were through time. They need to be reminded the solution to this, to making this day great is the one who said, I am the way. He's the one that will help us. Not only we begin that day with that psalm in our mind, begin with the day with the prayer, Lord, here's the new day. With your help, we'll get through it no matter what. Good or bad, up or down, we'll make it. We will make it. One thing is for sure, this is the window which atheism can't help us. <laughs> Just don't have the ability. You didn't have the means or the wherefore. We need to remind ourselves, encouraged by the fact of what Paul reminded us as he writes to his brethren Corinth in that second letter to him. In chapter 4, verses 16 and 18, he says this, So that we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. 
as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What is it? Every new day. Every time we look out this window, it is an opportunity for renewal. It is an opportunity to endure. It is an opportunity to face the future. That's what we need to see. That's what we do see when we look out that east window. This is the day. But the sad thing of it is, even with so many, too many still look out this window and all they see is fog. They just don't get it. It's not fog. It is the sunrise of a new day. Now you see why Elisha told Joash to look out that east window. I'll be gone, my friend. But today is a new day. And you will go forward. This morning, if you're not a child of God, this is your day. It is truly like all others. It is the day which the Lord has made. But today you can leave here rejoicing because you've obeyed your God and Father through obeying the truth to become a child of His by the precious blood that was shed on Calvary by His Son. Come repenting of the way you've been living your life before the world. Make that change. Confessing before all, as Paul told us in Romans 10, 9 and 10, as the Ethiopian did in Acts 8 and 37. Confess Him and be buried in baptism and raised to walk that new life as the dead on Pentecost and as Paul so ably describes in the 6th chapter of Romans. You can leave here looking at that east window saying, truly, this is the day the Lord has made and now I can rejoice because my life has been turned around. This morning, if you're a child of God who's may have spent too much time in your life looking at that north window or even that south one, while you have the time and opportunity, while you realize what you've done to your life by the sin that you've brought into your life, that you've succumbed to, that's drawn you away from God, that you're not looking out that east wind and seeing a sunrise or a new day, you're just seeing fog because of sin in your life. God's begging you to come home. Return to Him. Like the prodigal did, and truly you as well can leave here saying, this is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it.